Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in Austin, Texas with my new friend Evan Stern, the host of the Vanishing Postcards podcast. Although Evan lives in New York now, he grew up in Austin and visits as often as he can. He loves the city's natural beauty and abundance of outdoor activities. In this episode, Evan and I talk about taking a dip in Barton Springs, eating at Sam's Barbecue, and hearing live music at Broken Spoke. Hear about these three amazing experiences and so much more. The show notes will be available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Austin. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Using airline miles and hotel points makes travel affordable, but keeping track of all those loyalty programs can be a challenge. That's why I use AwardWall to track my miles and points balances, reservations, and special goodies like free hotel night certificates and airline companion passes. Having everything in one easy-to-use dashboard helps ensure that I don't lose any rewards and makes logging into my accounts super easy. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash AwardWallet to start your free account. Hey, Evan, welcome to the show. Hey, Lee. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Today, we're talking about one of my favorite cities, Austin, Texas. It's a city I almost moved to if I had not found uh, the right place here in Nashville. So uh, it's a city I love. I love to go visit, and I can't wait to hear your your tips for the city. Oh, well, thank you. Well, Austin is my hometown. Now, I'll tell you right now, I'm, I'm talking to you today from New York, so if you hear some sirens in the background, uh, I apologize. Uh, I, I've lived in New York long enough. I have earned the right to call myself a New Yorker, but... I am also one of a proud few nowadays who can claim to have been born, bred, and buttered in the city of Austin, Texas. I always try to get back there as often as I can. You know, if I was still there, I would probably be complaining nonstop about how much it has changed, the traffic, this and that. (laughs) But living here really gives me perspective, and I can get back there And there's so much there that I can appreciate and I can recognize so much of the beauty that is still there. Something that is kind of funny is I find whenever I get back there, I kind of go back to all of the old places that I knew and remembered from when I was growing up. And, you know, I've I've, I've heard about new things. But so when you talk to me, you're really kind of getting the perspective of old Austin. I'm in some ways I'm I'm kind of a time capsule in that regard. Oh, that's fantastic. It's one of those things that, you know, it's those comforts for those memories that you have from growing up that really kind of just bring you back home. But when you mentioned New York City, all I can think about was that old Pace Picante commercial where it's like all the cowboys hung, hanging around the fire, you know, in the old West and everything like that. And somebody asked for some, for some hot sauce or whatever. Somebody's Pace asked for Picante sauce. Yeah, somebody yeah, asked this, for some this, sauce. Well, this stuff's made in New York City. Yeah. New York City. <laughs> Get a rope. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, so was, <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm, I'm bicultural. I have earned the right to call myself a New Yorker for whenever I'm in the mood to do so. But I will always be a native Texan as well. So I really do get to borrow the best of both worlds. We're right on. So uh, obviously, like you mentioned, you go back and forth between New York and Austin on a regular basis. I'm sure you kind of plan your trips around the weather and a different around different festivals and things like that. So like, what time of year should people plan their visit when, they, when they're going to go to Austin? Look, I always, you know, if I can, I try to go to Austin in January, February to get away from the cold New York City winters. That's just me. In Texas, there are really kind of two seasons. There's summer and not summer. You can you can trust that the <laughs> summer is going to be brutally hot. But, you know, for, for the rest of the year, it's pretty mild and, and enjoyable. Now, of course, the weather in Texas will turn on a dime. You can walk inside a building and, you know, you, you might walk in. It's, it's in the 70s outside. You walk out 15 minutes later, you know, it's down in the 
40s or 50s or something like that. But for me, I like to go there in the winter, as I just said. Um, but blue bonnet season in the spring, you know, that's March, April, when you get to see all the beautiful wildflowers, that's a great time. I personally think that October is one of the most beautiful months of the year. So, you know, October is a terrific time. And, you know, obviously the heat during the summer is is pretty unbearable for most, but summer has its benefits as well. So it really just kind of depends on, uh, you know, how much you can take it does. <laughs> well, that, I mean, obviously the summer is hot. Uh, that's one thing I'm getting used to here in Nashville as well. But at least you have like Martin Springs to be able to like take a dip in the water and cool off and everything like that. So if you only go there in the wintertime, you're probably not going to be able to do that. Absolutely. Now, I will say Barton Springs is open year round, and uh, I have actually gone swimming in Barton Springs in the winter. Actually, growing up, my dad and I went there a few times when it was actually maybe in like the 30s or the 40s outside. And the thing about Barton Springs, if you've never been, Barton Springs is one of the greatest swimming pools in the nation. Um, I tell anyone, if you're going to Austin, that is an absolute must-do. It is a natural artesian-fed spring pool in in the middle of, of the city. Um, the temperature is constant. I think it's like a constant 68 degrees. So if you go there in the summer, you jump in the water, it is a brutal shock. But it's also going to be 68 degrees in the wintertime as well. So if you go there and it's cold out, you're going to see some steam rising and it can be pretty pleasant, surprisingly. So I've been there in the winter as well. One of the great things about Austin are just the incredible amount of outdoor activities there are to do. And the the swimming activities aren't just limited to Barton Springs. Um, People often ask me what I miss about Austin. One of the things that I miss the most about Austin is even as much as it's grown, as bad as the traffic has gotten, if you know what you're doing, you can still be in the country within like 15 to 20 minutes. And there are so many other wonderful swimming holes that you can explore. I mean, you could take a trip to Austin just devoted to swimming. One of my absolute favorites, you know, it's maybe like about a 40-minute drive outside of town, is Krause Springs. That's in the town of Spicewood. It is a beautiful swimming hole. Uh, There's a little waterfall there. It's an incredible, you know, verdant, tranquil environment. Um, You can do that. Also, one of the most spectacular grottos in the country is Hamilton's Pool, um, which is even closer to Austin. That that really won't take you long to get to at all. Um, Now, because of COVID and a few things this past year, they actually did close it to swimming. Hopefully next summer, it'll be open for swimming again. But it really is one of the most magnificently beautiful places that you can see in this country. I saw a BuzzFeed list where they were mentioning these beautiful places in the country that you've never heard of. Hamilton School made the list, so you can do that. There's Blue Hole in in Wimberley. The Barton Creek Greenbelt, which is actually in the city of Austin limits, has some wonderful uh, swimming spots as well. I mean, if, if you like to swim, Austin is the place to do it. It really is. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun, especially right now. It's it's summertime right now where we're recording this, and it's nice and hot. I just want to go out there and take a dip and, and cool off for sure. So when we're talking about also planning our visit, there are times when the city's like super crowded with different festivals, uh, and there's also different other things that go on, the other events throughout the year. Is it a good idea to go there during like South by Southwest or Absolutely Austin City Limits? Not. 
No, 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 no. Absolutely. Get the hell out of town when, <laughs> if, when South by Southwest comes through. You know, people, I, when I tell people I'm from Austin, they'll be like, oh, the, uh, South by Southwest. I said, we always left town whenever South by Southwest was going on. I mean, I'm old enough to remember when that thing started, it was a, a very small regional musical festival. Totally different deal. I mean, the traffic, it is impossible to do anything. And so I, I really recommend staying away from Austin when, when that's happening. Um, now, ACL, I've done ACL a few times, and that can be a really great time. But, you know, you have to be committed to doing ACL and making ACL the main point of your visit if you're coming to town around then as well. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. What about like more lesser known festivals where the city doesn't get too crowded, it's more locals, where you can kind of still go and enjoy yourself and still be able to see the rest of the city without being overwhelmed by hordes of tourists? Well, you know, a great local tradition is Eeyore's birthday. This thing started in 1963. It is really hard to explain if you've never been there. I like to say it's kind of a miniature Woodstock. I mean, it is a hippie festival. We're talking drum circles. Basically, a bunch of people invade. There's this uh, park you know, central Austin, close to the university called Peace Park. It's the last uh, Saturday in April. And man, the people watching that you're going to see there is fantastic. They talk about keep Austin weird. Well, Eeyore's birthday is Austin weirdness at its finest. So <laughs> if you want a, a true local Texas experience, that's something that I would uh, w- would maybe recommend considering getting a taste of. Right on. I, I think that'd be a lot of fun, but maybe some of the listeners wouldn't be super interested in that. Um, <laughs> when you talk about things that they do also in the summer, one thing I was reading about is like they have like movies in the park. Well, they there, there are some parks where they have movies, but what is my favorite thing is, I think even better than that, is downtown on Congress Avenue, there's the Paramount Theater, which is a grand movie palace. I believe it was built in 1915. And throughout the summer, they screen classic movies there. And growing up, I mean, my parents and I would go there just about every weekend. And let me tell you, I saw Lawrence of Arabia. I saw Casablanca. I saw All About Eve. I mean, Sunset Boulevard. To see a classic movie on that big screen there, you know, if you're traveling, you'd think, you know, would I really go see a movie? Well, absolutely. It's, It's something terrific to do. So I highly recommend that. As well, I've honestly never done it, but Austin is where the Alamo Draft House started, and um, they're very famous. I mean, they screen, in addition to first-run movies, you know, they will screen classics and random B-movies, but uh, they will also serve like a dinner, a themed dinner or a meal with it that has like a lot of fun uh, accompaniments, and people absolutely rave about that experience as well. Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun, too. We're all about Netflix at our house. We don't really go out to the movies too often, but I think something like that where it's more of an experience, uh, whether it's a Paramount or the Alamo Draft House, something like that that's more of an experience where I can take the kids to and show them what it was kind of like growing up for me and everything. I think that'd be a really awesome thing to do. Now, let's take a step back. For people that are listening, like I'm here in Nashville, people listening all over the world, if we want to come to Austin, we're going to fly into the main airport there, correct? It's an international airport. I've actually flown through there on the way to Mexico before. So we'd fly into the the main airport there and then getting around from the, from the airport to the city. Do we take public transportation? Do we rent a car, take an Uber? Like how do we get from the airport to the city? And then how do we get around to see all these like wonderful things to do in Austin? 
so here's the deal. If you're only in town for two nights and you're staying like downtown in the central area, downtown South Congress, East Austin, something like that, I think it is perfectly fine to take a cab from the airport and just do the Uber thing if you're doing that. But I will say public transportation in Austin is uh, terribly unreliable. And I think, uh, as I said earlier, if you do have the time, one of the beauties of Austin is that you can get out to the country very easily. If you do have the time as well, you could actually make a day trip and go down to San Antonio if you want. So I would definitely recommend consider renting a car if you're into that. I mean, Austin is not the most pedestrian-friendly of cities, and nor does it really have the great arteries to support public transportation. So that is something that you should consider. But, you know, if you are only there for two days and you are going to be downtown in the main central area, you know, you can do the Uber thing perfectly easily uh, if you want to do that. Oh, for sure. Or if you're a little bit more adventurous and maybe feel like risking your life a little bit, uh, like the Lime scooters and like the Uber scooters and those, that, those type of things, you can get around those as well. You can. I will warn you, I mean, something to consider is that parking now is is more of an issue than it used to be a number of years ago. So you will have to contend with that. You know, having a car definitely has its benefits, I will say. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then if we're talking about where we're going to stay, like, like you just mentioned, if we're only there for a couple of days, it probably makes sense to stay right there in the core uh, downtown area of the city. But if we're there for, say, like four or five days, like I'm going to be there in uh, for a conference coming up and I'm going to be there for almost a whole week staying near the convention center area. Uh, if somebody's going to stay there for a week and kind of just explore all that Austin has to offer, where should they stay for that? Well, I mean, I, I will always recommend, you know, just staying downtown in, in the core area. I'll give out like a number of suggestions. I mean, none of these, these aren't the most budget friendly, but if you're planning like a dream trip to Austin, obviously the Four Seasons is always going to be a fabulous hotel. The Four Seasons in Austin is right there on Lady Bird Lake. Um, if you're there in August, that's when, you know, Austin has the largest bat population in the world. And I promise you, it's actually a beautiful sight. You can stay there at the Four Seasons, look out your window, and every night at dusk, you will just see this beautiful swarm of bats just flying from under this bridge. I, I mean, there are, I, there are millions of them that live in this one bridge of downtown. So that's incredible. Um, and it's also very convenient to to everything. Another good hotel downtown as well that's a bit further up Congress towards the Capitol is the Stephen F. Austin. I believe that's operated by Intercontinental. Um, it's very convenient, centrally located. Um, another good old one is the Driscoll. Now, at the same time with the, with the Driscoll and Stephen F. Austin, they are pretty close to 6th Street. And I think, you know, although 6th Street is an incredibly popular entertainment district, I'd say it's probably comparative to maybe like Bourbon Street in New Orleans, something like that. I will say in recent years, it's gotten a bit seedy. And I think if you talk to most locals, most old Austin people really don't go and hang out there because it can get crowded, it can get rowdy, and it can also, you know, it's gotten a little bit sketchy in recent years. There's some vagrancy. So, you know, I think just about any downtown city in America right now is is wrestling with issues. Um, Austin is not immune to these issues as well. So if you are downtown, even like four years ago, you wouldn't have to worry. But I think you do need to have a bit of street sense about you if, if you do that. But another wonderful place now to stay is um, 
One of the most popular areas now in Austin is South Congress, and there are a number of wonderful small boutique hotels that you can find along South Congress. Um, the Austin Motel, that's a wonderful um, old space from the 1930s that's been beautifully renovated and is now really a, a hip. They've done a great job with it. It's kind of a mid-range option, but every now and then you can actually get some bargains. I mean, if you are going there around South by Southwest, forget about it. That's a good place, as is the San Jose Hotel, um, which is really just kind of a few doors down from the Austin Motel. I've never been there, um, but the South Congress Hotel as well um, appears to be very nice. And the last time I was there, actually, I went out to dinner at a restaurant that was in a hotel on the east side called Arrive Austin. It's on East 6th Street. Some East Austin is really hopping right now. A lot of cool stuff going on there. And you might want to take a look at that as well as the East Austin Hotel. And um, if you stay on South Congress or East Austin, any of these places that I've mentioned, really, you're going to be within walking distance of restaurants, bars, live music venues, plenty of things to do. So you're not going to have to worry about you know hopping in the car for everything or taking an Uber everywhere if you do that. So that's kind of what I would recommend. Now, of course, if you want to do like the Airbnb option, which a lot of people want to do, you know, my advice again with that is just to try to stay as centrally located as possible. You'll do well to try to find stuff around South Congress, uh, South First, uh, that area, Clarksville. You'll, you'll do well to, to stay close in the central corridor if you do that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, sometimes people try to save money by booking a hotel kind of on the outskirts. And whatever amount they've saved, they've spent that much more of parking, of Ubers or whatever, or even just time going back and forth between where they're staying and and where they're doing everything. So sometimes it makes a little sense to just pay a little bit more, and then that way you're right there where, where you need to be, and that way you're saving your time and your money on all the extracurriculars, you know? Absolutely. Like one of the things that as I was deciding between Austin and Nashville as far as where to live, I know both of them have amazing music and food cultures. Let's talk about a couple places where we where we should go for like live music, and then we'll get into the food because I know that everybody knows Austin and the barbecue and everything like that. So we want to talk about that. Save that for last. Absolutely. So uh, yes, Austin. Um, one one of you know the great things about Austin is just the incredible music that is at your fingertips. There's great music that can be experienced at so many places, and I'd really recommend if you're going there to check out the Austin Chronicle. For listings, I believe they have the the website, you know, which is austincron.com. You can Google it and, and find out. They'll have listings of all sorts of acts you can see all over town. One of the great Austin institutions that I highly recommend is the Broken Spoke, which is a wonderful old school honky tonk. They they just have wonderful acts that that are always playing there it's a great place to dance and it's just a true if you want to remind yourself that you're in texas when you're in austin that is absolutely the place to go at the same time i mean you know austin you know has a great country music history it's also a terrific uh, blues town you know stevie ray vaughn many great uh, blues legends uh, came through austin and probably the most famous of the uh, the blues clubs is the Continental Club. Now, of course, they have all sorts of different acts that go through there, but the Continental Club is right on South Congress. They have a wonderful happy hour that they actually call Hippie Hour, 
which is worth checking out. But they can definitely get a crowd. And so I would maybe recommend considering checking out Egos. Egos is a dive bar live music venue that is like hidden in this apartment complex on South Congress. I mean, you kind of have to like walk through the apartment complex to find this place. But I've seen all sorts of terrific music there, and it, it probably doesn't get as crowded there. And if you want to experience like a really weird Texas dive, uh, there's another fun place called Don's Depot, which has some fun music that's worth uh, checking out. But again, you know, a great resource that I do recommend is definitely examining the Chronicle to see about what's happening. And, you know, there's plenty of restaurants. I mean, you'll just go to have dinner at a restaurant. There will be music there. And, you know, I I have kind of mixed feelings about their food, but uh, Huero's is a taco place on uh, South Congress. They have a great outdoor space. And I think most nights they have live music there. So, you know, you can have a meal and enjoy some music outdoors. And it's a lot of fun. That sounds pretty amazing. I, I love that live music. Yeah. And I should say, too, that, again, if you do have a car, it's something that I can't recommend it enough is, you know, you can make, take a little excursion to Green Hall, which is in this small town called Green. It's spelled like German, G-R-U-E-N-E. It's just outside the, another great small town called New Braunfels. Um, but Green Hall is just a terrific old dance hall. I think that they have music 365 nights out of the year. And there are plenty of huge, like, A-listers who still go there to perform. You know, George Strait every now and then still goes and performs at Green Hall. Um, the other famous one is uh, Lukenbach, which is outside of uh, Fredericksburg, which is, uh, you know, a bit more of a drive out of town. But again, you know, I think that you can make a wonderful excursion going to see live music at Lukenbach. You can see the scenery in, in the hill country. Uh, there's plenty of stuff to do. Also, outside of Fredericksburg, as well as the Albert Ice House, um, which is a really great only in Texas experience. I mean, this place is pretty much in the middle of nowhere, but I, I believe they have music like Wednesdays through Sundays. You know, grab a beer. It's just a beautiful setting. Highly recommend that. And uh, there's another great spot, too, on Sunday nights, um, about an hour outside of town. um, There's this teeny town called Seton, Texas, which has a dance hall called Sefshik Hall, which is really like stepping back in time. You know, you'll still hear people speak in Czech with one another when you go to this place. So if you're if you're into that sort of thing, do yourself a favor and check out the dance halls. You can there's a wonderful organization called Texas Dance Hall Preservation. Give them a Google. I think their website might be texasdancehalls.org. They have like a whole listing of dance halls. You, you can plan a whole trip around doing that if you're into that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. We'll put we'll make sure to put that in the show notes. Okay, we only have a few minutes left. We can't miss talking about the food. I know when, when people talk about Austin, they're like, oh, you got to go to Franklin's, blah, blah, blah. And next thing you know, you would be waiting in line for like three hours. You know, let's not do that. No, 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 no. We're, we're not talking about Franklin's Barbecue because, here, you know, Franklin's Barbecue, Bon Appetit named it the uh, the best barbecue in America some years ago. People start waiting in line for that barbecue before 6 a.m. But here's the thing. If you, if you go to that line, I guarantee you most of the people you talk to are not from Austin. Now, I have tried his barbecue. It Was it the best brisket I've ever had? Probably. But there is so much great brisket in Austin. The idea of waiting in line four hours for brisket is absolutely ludicrous. And here's the thing. Aaron Franklin learned how to cook 
from uh, a man by the name of John uh, Mueller, whose family was behind a barbecue establishment called Louis, Louis Miller's, which is in the town of Taylor. It's about a 30-mile drive outside of town. You can drive up to Louis Miller's in Taylor, which is my favorite barbecue in the entire state. It is delicious. You go there, you're getting a piece of history in addition to your barbecue. So you can drive up to Taylor, get your brisket, sausage, banana pudding pie, all the trimmings, be back, sleep in in less time than you would have to deal with that damn line at Franklin. So uh, yeah, come on. Louis Miller's over Franklin's, no question. But you don't even have to drive that far out of town to get great barbecue because it's all at your fingertips there. Um, in fact, Franklin's Barbecue is on the east side. There's another spot there called uh, Sam's Barbecue. I have a podcast called Vanishing Postcards. I did a whole pod. I, I did a podcast that featured this place, Sam's. It was open in the 1950s. The family that owns it now, basically, the story is they won this spot in a gambling game back in the 1970s. Since then, the the returns on that investment have grown exponentially. There were some Portland-based uh, developers who offered them five million dollars for the land, and they said no. They said we are the last black business around here. We've got to hold down the fort. And you go there, the barbecue is still absolutely delicious. You're not going to have to wait in line. And if the owner, Brian, is there, he is a real character. He was a pallbearer at uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan's uh, funeral. In fact, Stevie Ray Vaughan loved the barbecue at Sam's so much when he was recording it, uh, when he was recording in New York with David Bowie, he had them ship him some barbecue up there. And if Brian is there, he'll talk to you. He might even take you back, show you the pit, the whole nine yards. Also, another great old classic barbecue spot downtown is Ironworks. If you're staying at the Four Seasons, it's really just like about two blocks away. It has been there forever. The food is delicious. And if you want some more new school barbecue, you know, one of the newer spots that I I do give a thumbs up to is uh, Terry Black's Barbecue. You might have to wait there a little bit longer, but you're still not going to be waiting in line for four hours like you would at Franklin's. So that is my tangent about barbecue in Austin right there in a (laughs) nutshell. (laughs) <laughs> well, like, like what you said, I think we can actually probably hit up all those spots while our friends are still waiting in line at, at Franklin. So absolutely, then you know, slip them a fiver and, and grab a bite of theirs too. That way, you get to sample them all. Totally, you know. <laughs> but you gotta, if you're going to Austin too, you've got to you got to do the Mexican food as well. You know, I'll tell you too. There's a distinction between Tex-Mex and Mexican. Both are absolutely wonderful. You should do both. You shouldn't confuse one with the other. Interestingly enough, you know, it used to be hard to get interior Mexican. Now it's getting harder to find good old school Tex-Mex. I think the oldest, most famous place in Austin for Tex-Mex is uh, Matt's El Rancho, but I'm pretty partial to Mottie's. Mottie's has two locations. I highly recommend that. My favorite, though, might be there's outside of town in a little town called Bee Cave. There's a place called Rosie's Tamale House. So I mentioned Krause Springs and Hamilton's Pool earlier. Um, You can easily go swimming at either Krause Springs, Hamilton's Pool, then go to Rosie's for lunch. And um, if we're talking about Tex-Mex, I mean, I think people tend to think about your you know, your cheese enchiladas, your rice and beans. But I think one of the great Tex-Mex experiences is uh, carne guisada. Those are stewed beef tips in gravy. And my favorite you can find at Cisco's. Cisco's has been open since 1950. They have a fantastic breakfast in addition to bakery. Um, It really is one of those old school, only in Austin kind of institutions. You'll find it on the east side. So Cisco's definitely gets two thumbs up for uh, for Tex-Mex. For the interior options, you know, on the high end is uh, Fonda San Miguel. 
um, which really was one of the very first places in the country that showcased interior Mexican food. It's been there for well over 40 years, but man, the food is absolutely delicious. I think Diana Kennedy, who is one of the greatest living purveyors of Mexican cuisine, helped them uh, get off the ground with their initial menu. And, you know, I still give it my highest recommendation. Um, Newer, but also excellent on the the high end of the spectrum is uh, El Alma. I've never had a bad meal there. All sorts of great stuff. A bit in the more mid-range, down in South Austin, there's a great spot called Sason. Um, I believe that the woman who runs it is from Michoacan. I've had delicious caldos there. I mean, really authentic. But on the cheaper end of the the spectrum, you know, one of my favorite uh, meals in town, you know, there's a place, Burnett Road. It is no frills, nothing fancy, far from tourists or anything. But there's a place called Taquerias Arandas Number 3. It's kind of a chain called Taquerias Arandas, but the number three is the best one. You go there, get the green enchiladas verdes de pollo, the green enchiladas with rice and beans, or the carne asada. They'll serve it with nopalitos, the cactus absolutely delicious it, it just oh man and it's not and it's going to cost you like eight bucks it is so it, it'll cost you less than a burrito at chipotle to do that <laughs> um and another great place that's kind of in the same uh you know range as taquerias arandas on the south side is cafe habanero those are my recommendations for tex-mex and mexican right there oh man there's so many good choices and my wife is hispanic and she loves Find out that authentic Mexican food. And uh, it's a little bit hard to find here in Nashville. We definitely miss it from California. So uh, we're going to have to come out there to Austin and find it. I will just say this much. Tex-Mex, as I said, there's a distinction between Tex-Mex and interior. Tex-Mex is authentic as well. You just have to respect that it's a regional Mexican cuisine that just evolved on the other side of the border. It does not deserve a lot of the snobbery that it has received uh, lately. If you go to Mexico, you're going to find different food in Oaxaca than what you're going to find in the Yucatan than what you're going to find in the north. So that's the same thing. But, you know, that's a conversation for a different day right there. (laughs) Absolutely. So, well, Evan, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing all these amazing tips for Austin. I have like a whole laundry list of things I'm going to do when I come out there to visit next. And so, but now it's time for the final countdown. If somebody only had time for one meal when they visited Austin, where should they go and what should they eat? You know, I'm going to actually say the uh, chicken fried steak at Hoover's. Chicken fried steak is one of those uh, dishes where you you always kind of hate yourself after you eat it, but man, is it good when you're in it. So I'd I'd say the chicken fried steak at Hoover's. That's delicious. Yeah, you threw me for a curveball. I thought for sure we'd be talking about barbecue. (laughs) (laughs) Now, like you said, you grew up in in the Austin area and you go back and forth all the time. So obviously you have some great stories. Which one are you most memorable? Well, you know, growing up there was it was a great experience. You know, like I I saw Amy Lou Harris and Willie Nelson perform when I was 11, like a taping for Austin City Limits. That was great. But, um, you know, I talked about going out to the country. I mean, so many of my great memories just involved doing just that. And I remember when I was 11, my dad bought this old 1955 Chevy Bel Air. And um, we drove out to this spot called Enchanted Rock. And it was the first time in the hill country. I remember climbing up to the top of that rock and looking around and seeing just that beautiful hill country outside of town. And there are some moments in life that are perfect. And that's absolutely one of them. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Like creating those special memories with your with your kids. Like I, I have my young kids now, or you know, doing it with your parents. Those type of memories are what it's all about. So speaking of happy times and good memories, uh, where's the happiest happy hour in Austin? 
my favorite dive bar. And I, I did it, my show, Vanishing Postcards, I dedicated the first episode to this place, uh, is the Dry Creek Cafe. This is the bar that time forgot. It opened in 1953. Uh, back then, it sat on the edge of the country. Now it is surrounded by mansions, but you go there, it is still a hardcore dive. The place is basically a dilapidated shack. Um, <laughs> and um, when I went there, uh, you know, last year, the uh, the bartender there was only the third bartender to ever work there. So it is a real great old school dive. Um, at the same time, I think if you were to talk to a local. I have never done this, but everyone swears by the happy hour at Jenny's Little Longhorn Saloon. That's a dive uh, in, in North Austin, and they have something there called, uh, it's called Chicken sh- Bingo. And it, it has to do with like a, a chicken, and that's kind of all I can say about that. But everybody raves about going to Jenny, <laughs> Jenny's Little Longhorn Saloon for happy hour so that you can participate in the Chicken sh- Bingo. <laughs> right on, right on. One of the things I always do whenever I travel is check out the local pizza. What's the best place for pepperoni pizza in, in Austin? Oh, for heaven's sake. If you're in Austin, you shouldn't be doing pizza. You should be eating tacos, man. That's, you know, come on, tacos, yeah. tacos, tacos. But if you have to have pizza, there is a place in West Austin that I like quite a bit called uh, Chipolina. Brick oven pizza also has some pretty solid uh, wood-fired brick pizza as well. Right on, sounds good. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I know I'm going to definitely eat the barbecue, but sometimes I got to have my, my pizza fix. So obviously you did like this uh, you know, 1,500-mile uh, tour across Texas and visiting all these local cities and everything like that. So I'm sure on that journey you created some like awesome travel tips. Like, What's one of your favorite? Well, I mean, I, I think traveling in general, just don't try to do too much. I mean, people always ask me, you know, what to see and do when you go to, to a place. I mean, something that's ironic is I actually work as a tour guide in New York. And when reflecting on my travels, you know, although walking tours can be wonderful, you get so much great historic perspective and information that you might not get otherwise. I don't know how often I really do travel like that. When I travel, what I like to do is I, I honestly just kind of like to find a bar. And I, not, not even for the drinking aspect, I, I just like to find a bar and I like to talk to people. You'll get a great pulse on a place when you do that. If you can find a good local dive, talk to some locals, they're going to tell you about what you should be seeing and doing. And I promise you, you will have an incredibly rewarding experience if you can you know, kind of allow yourself some flexibility, remain open to uh, suggestions, and don't try to overschedule yourself. And I will say in regard to Austin, it's not the place for massive attack sightseeing. If you want to go sightseeing, you know, go down the road to San Antonio. Austin, it's an experience. No, I totally agree. I, that's really the reason why I started this podcast is that that's what I would do. I would always just go and whether sitting there talking to someone in the bus, at a bar, at the restaurant or whatever, and finding the best things to do in those cities from, uh, from those locals. Cause I think I, I developed a better sense of what the city was like and developed a greater, just like experience during those days that I was in that city. And that's really, I mean, a lot of people don't have that, uh, you know, extrovert personality. So that's why I have these conversations with people like you. So that way they don't have to <laughs> come out of their shell and do that, you know? True. And, uh, so that's why we have you on the show. So speaking of that, uh, like you mentioned, you do the tour guide thing there in New York. Can you tell the audience a little bit more about who you are, what you do? And then if people have questions about your podcast, about Austin, or, or even your tour guide business over there in New York, what's the best way for them to reach you on social media? So my background is actually as an actor and performer. I've been privileged enough to perform on the stages of Carnegie Hall and Lincoln Center. 
But my latest endeavor, as I've referenced a few times now, is a podcast called Vanishing Postcards. It is a, a documentary podcast. Basically, it is the product of a 1,500-mile Texas journey through the series. Listeners are really invited to join me on a road trip where we are exploring the hidden dive surgeons frequently threatened histories that can be discovered by exiting the interstates. The places we go to don't make the pages of glossy magazines. You're not going to see them on Instagram. I actually wouldn't describe it as a travel show. I'd say it's, it's more of a people show that's informed by my travels. And it's off to a great start. Digital Trends has uh, already named it one of the best podcasts of 2021. Um, it's gotten great press in publications like the Dallas Morning News, um, Austin uh, American Statesman, the hometown NPR affiliate KUT. And um, I'd be honored if, uh, if you give it a listen. You can find it on um, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. I mean, you're listening to a podcast right now. So wherever you're listening to this, I'm quite confident you can find Vanishing Postcards. And if you're interested to get in touch with me or to see some companion photos or learn more about the show, all of that, just search Vanishing Postcards on Instagram. And um, if you want to talk to me for any reason, you can find me that way. Also, uh, VanishingPostcards.com. That sounds fantastic. Well, we'll make sure to link to all that in the show notes. And Evan, it's been a pleasure, and we look forward to seeing you when we travel there. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been fun. What an interesting conversation with Evan. I visit Austin at least once a year, and I can't wait for my next trip. That way I can check out Evan's suggestions for delicious barbecue without waiting in long lines. You can find all the links we talked about today at wetravelthere.com forward slash Austin. We want to say thank you to Wardwall for being today's affiliate partner. It's my favorite way to track airline miles, hotel points, and other loyalty programs. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash Wallet to start your free account today. Join us next time as we visit Washington, D.C. to speak with my new friend Joanne Hill, the author of Secret Washington, D.C. by Reedy Press. In this episode, Joanne and I talk about the significance of the carousel in the National Mall, how a 400-year-old bonsai tree that survived the Hiroshima bombing got to D.C., and the Barbie Pond on Avenue Q. We hope you join us when we travel there. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please share it with your friends and tell them what you like most. Make sure you follow us on your favorite podcast app that way you don't miss any of our upcoming destinations. We'll be right back.